We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, your premier podcast for all things Oregon football and recruiting. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. It is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. Fall camp is well underway in Eugene. Football is in the air, so we have plenty to get into today in today's episode of the pod. Going to be talking about Oregon football's checklist in fall camp. What items do Dan Lanning and the Ducks need to check off their list between now and uh, ultimately that season opener on September 2nd against the Portland State Vikings in Eugene at Autzen Stadium? Going to be doing a a two-part episode. Going to start off talking about the offense and then wrap up Uh, on the back half talking about the defense. So should be a very fun episode. We are coming to you live in three different locations for today's show. We're live on YouTube, of course, at Oregon Football Max Taurus, as well as on Twitter at M Taurus Sports and on Facebook. Added Facebook to the stream, uh, the Ducks Digest Facebook. Uh, We're just at Ducks Digest there as well. So plenty of places for you guys to tune into the show. Uh, excited to have you guys along. If you are here in the live stream, go ahead and hop in the live chat. Leave me a comment. Let me know what's on your mind. Maybe ask me a question about Oregon football or recruiting, uh, and I'll do my best to incorporate those into today's show. So that being said, let's start things off. Maybe looking at a couple of big picture items. The first one, I think, uh, you know, is pretty obvious, but you want to get the freshmen up to speed. Uh, fortunately for Oregon, they had a majority of their 2023 recruiting class enroll early, either in December or January. Uh, you know, a lot of guys come to campus after the uh, All-American Bowls. And then you also have guys that came in in the spring. But Oregon finds themselves in a situation where they had a number of guys from this 2023 class that did not enroll early and uh, enrolled not late. But at the start of summer, more or less, guys like Blake Purchase, the edge rusher out of Colorado, Ashton Porter, the edge rusher from Texas, Jurion Dickey, All-American five-star wide receiver that's with Oregon, cornerbacks Dalen Austin and Roderick Pleasant and Colin Gill, 
Uh, and then Lipe Moala, I believe the offensive lineman from modern day is another guy that did not enroll early. So kind of what they're going to have to do is, is get those guys up to speed, whether it be in the weight room, in the playbook, on the field, just getting used to the feel of the game. But I think that's kind of a big picture thing that Oregon has to get taken care of here in fall camp because you could very well find out that, you know, some of those guys might be called on uh, earlier than sooner rather than later with the 2023 season uh, very quickly approaching. So I think one thing that comes to mind as far as an offensive checklist item for Dan Lanning and the Ducks really goes to Will Stein. Let Will Stein leave his mark on this offense. Answer the question, what does the Oregon offense's identity look like following the departure of Kenny Dillingham? We all know the story with Kenny Dillingham. He came to Oregon and absolutely lit things up uh, as uh, as uh, you know the offensive coordinator for Oregon. They were putting up points left and right. Bo Nix looked like a completely different player. Um, the offensive line was was amazing. There was a lot of physicality in their game. They were still able to pound the rock more or less at will, and uh, they were spreading the ball around. So what tenants of that offense are we going to continue to see with Will Stein? What does the tempo look like? What does the pace look like? Um, you know, How are they getting the ball to their top playmakers in space? How often are you throwing to running backs out of the backfield? How often do you have Bo Nix uh, running the ball as one of the, the top dual threat quarterbacks in, in all of college football? Those are questions that I think you can really start answering a little bit as we go throughout fall camp the ducks typically tend to hold scrimmages uh, on the weekend so we'll see how much they're able to to do that and kind of what some of the chatter is out of there um and then also just getting on the same page as far as terminology and, and signals go i think fortunately for oregon like i talked about in the last episode of the podcast they do have a lot of carryover on this offensive staff, whether it's Junior Adams with the wide receivers, Carlos Lachlan with the with the running backs, that's a good spot to, to ultimately find yourself in. But you do have a couple of new guys, obviously Will Stein working with the quarterbacks, Alik Terry working with the offensive line. Those are some newer guys uh, that obviously have to find what works best for them and, and maybe tweak some things from last year because those are not going to be the same systems, obviously. And then that kind of bleeds into one of my more specific checklist items for the Oregon offense here in fall camp. They need to figure out what their new starting offensive line is going to look like. Um, we, we got to hear from Ajani Cornelius following Wednesday's practice in Eugene out of fall camp. And he's talking about how the connection and the chemistry uh, are, are starting to get there. Fortunately for Oregon, Ajani Cornelius was able to uh, enroll in time for, for spring ball. Uh, and he's, I think, the most touted transfer offensive lineman that the Ducks got uh, following the end of the, the 2022 season uh, coming over from Rhode Island. And fortunately for Oregon, the offensive line picture is, is, is looking steady, but not solidified. I think that you have a handful of guys that you maybe know are going to start. You have a good idea of where they kind of, where they kind of, um, you know, slot into that offensive line. I think Jackson Powers Johnson is, is one of those guys. He looks like he could be one of the, uh, perhaps the leading candidate right now to take over at center for Oregon, following in the footsteps of Alex Forsyth. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson landed on the Remington Award uh, watch list uh, for the best center in college football. 
So I think the Jackson Powers Johnson is, is probably the guy that as of right now, looks like he's going to be starting uh, at center for Oregon. But you also have Marcus Harper and he got a little bit banged up in spring ball. So I wonder how much that, that time that he missed from the game kind of maybe helped Jackson Powers Johnson solidify himself as the guy uh, at center for Oregon. But Marcus Harper is also a very quality option for the Ducks at center. So I think we'll end up seeing one or one of those two guys uh, play center for the Ducks this year. I also think that Josh Connerly Jr. is one of those guys that you can probably pretty confidently say is going to be the starting left tackle for Oregon. He played a whole lot of ball, a lot of snaps in 2022. And uh, a lot of people, I think, within the program and certainly in the fan base are looking at Josh Connerly as the next Panay Sewell, the next marquee elite offensive lineman to come through Eugene. And um, Elite Terry's talked about how uh, Josh Connerly is one of the hardest workers uh, in that offensive line room about how his footwork. Uh, this is a guy who played a lot of basketball uh, at Rainier Beach in the Seattle area in high school. So he is a supreme athlete, and we're starting to get to hear more from him uh, during fall camp here in his sophomore year. So I think Josh Connerly is a guy that you're definitely going to see a lot of. Ajani Cornelius from Rhode Island, one of the most highly sought after, perhaps the top offensive lineman, offensive tackle in the transfer portal this cycle. Uh, he looks like he could probably be uh, in a good spot to, I think, take that right tackle spot for Oregon, the spot that was held down by Male Sala Amavelaulu last year. Um, and I think you could see him playing there. But you also have Stephen Jones, who has some experience at right tackle. Uh, he he played a lot of guard last year for Oregon. So you're trying to find the, the perfect combo or the, the right balance of a lot of these returning pieces from the 2022 season. And then how do those guys mesh, not only with the, the true freshmen from the 2023 recruiting class, but also these other guys that you got out of the portal. I'm talking about Junior Angelau from Texas. I'm talking about Nishad Struther from uh, East Carolina. He's another guy that uh, projects to be on the interior. I, I think that Cornelius, he started almost all of his games last year for Rhode Island at, at tackle. So I think you're going to see him at the right tackle spot. But Ang Angelau, Struther, and Steven Jones are, are kind of those guys that I think you're going to be moving around a little bit uh, along that offensive line to see what the best combo uh, you really have is. And then Faope Laulaulu, uh, he's a guy who's been around Oregon for, for a while now, and I wonder where he's going to ultimately find his spot. Maybe not so much as a starter, but someone in that, that too deep. A lot of the times you'll find coaches like to have six, seven, eight offensive linemen who are ready to go at any time uh, or starter quality type of deal. And uh, this is where Oregon's going to be able to, I think, see some of last year's snaps really come into focus. And then you're going to be able to have guys who have played a lot of football for you. Maybe if it's not in a starting capacity, um, they, they've been out there a lot like Josh Connerly. Um, and then, you know, like Steven Jones, who, who played quite a bit last year. Another guy to maybe keep an eye on is George Silva, the junior college offensive line transfer that the Ducks were able to sign in the 2023 class from Fullerton College. Uh, he is another guy that they're really excited about, super, super athletic and, um, you know, a lot of potential. But he's not super experienced when it just comes to playing football. Um, this past junior college season was his first full season playing football. Um, so I think he's maybe a little bit more of a project, but he looks like someone who is already making his mark uh, on the Oregon offensive line. So the Ducks need to figure out that new starting offensive line. And obviously that's super important because of who they're protecting 
Bo Nix. He's the face of this Oregon team. He's the face of this Oregon offense. And and this offense will ultimately go not only as far as Bo Nix can take them, but as far as the offensive line can take them. Uh, you got to be able to establish the run. We know that that's been a mark of the Oregon offense for a long time, but you also have to be able to pass. So that's kind of my little two cents on the offensive line. I think you need to find that starting offensive line um, combination for the Ducks here in 2023. And Alif Terry definitely has something to prove uh, now that he's back with the Ducks. And he'll be working alongside Mike Cavanaugh, Cutter Leftwich, uh, in that offensive line room. So there definitely remains quite a bit to be seen of what Oregon's offensive line will ultimately look like come 2023 under elite Terry. But I think there is plenty of reason to be optimistic that they, uh, they, they are going to be one of the best units in the pac 12 for sure on the West coast. Um, and maybe even nationally, I think that the bar has been set incredibly high given last year's performance with guys like Ryan walk, Alex Forsyth, um, you know, Sala who, who we mentioned. Um, so there's a lot of guys that, I think this year's offensive linemen are going to be trying to, you know, play up to that level. I think it's only natural that you take some kind of a step back after surrendering. I believe it was only five total sacks last year, uh, but you lose some personnel. You lose Adrian Clem, who goes back to the NFL ranks, but you know for a fact that Elite Terry is listening to that and he's just hearing excuses. So he's going to try to have his guys as ready as possible. Uh, I love his energy. I love listening to his interviews. Um, you know, super smart football mind. He's a guy that has obviously been hitting it off with the players from a relationship standpoint. And I think that he's certainly someone that those guys uh, uh, definitely want to play for. So I'm excited about this Oregon offensive line, but as of right now, it's a little bit of a question mark um, uh, with one week in the books with, with fall camp. Now we need to talk about the quarterback position and there's nothing that Bo Nix needs to do I think it's looking behind Knicks where Oregon still has a little bit of work to do. You got to figure out who your solid QB two is. Uh, some people might think this is already, you know, kind of wrapped up, signed, sealed and delivered Ty Thompson as quarterback two. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him ultimately be a QB two for the ducks as serving as Knicks's primary backup. But really the point I'm getting at is that you need to make sure that either Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad is ready to go in there and win you games. I think that's what Lanning said as far as what he wants to see from the backup quarterback at Oregon, someone that can be called upon and uh, still be able to win games for Oregon. Let's be perfectly clear. This is not something that the Ducks have had uh, in recent years. I'm trying to think back to the last time they did have a really capable backup. Maybe you're looking at the Anthony Brown, Tyler Shuck era when those guys were, were uh, splitting snaps a little bit, but I've kind of made it known my thoughts on Ty Thompson. Great kid, super promising, lots of potential, uh, but he just hasn't shown it during his time at Oregon to, to really be the guy. Um, and uh, you, you see um, that the sample kind of looks the same each time we see Ty Thompson take the field as far as you know processing speed goes, um, looking composed and, and ultimately making good decisions and taking care of the ball. I don't believe that's necessarily something that we've seen from Ty Thompson, which is why I think it's also important to keep an eye on the development of Austin Novosad, uh, who Dan Lanning said has been doing well and uh, making strides so far in fall camp. You know, pretty generic coach talk uh, from a language standpoint, but this is where it could come into into play the the benefits of enrolling early for Austin Novosad, who was an Adidas All American, played in the state of Texas, has put on a decent amount of weight. I think that was one of my one of my uh, little critiques 
when I saw him at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio was that he just was very slight of frame. Uh, but you could definitely see why Will Stein likes that guy. So the quarterback picture, it's it's figured out, but it's also something that's definitely worth monitoring from a backup standpoint because you saw what happened in that Washington game. Ty Thompson came in after Bo Nix got hurt, and I I'm, I'm, want to be clear, I'm not placing that loss on Ty Thompson at all. That's completely unfair. But Ty Thompson came in that game when Bo Nix got hurt and the Ducks couldn't move the ball. And they didn't really give him a chance to to pass the ball. I think it was three straight run plays. Um, and, and that was obviously all she wrote once the Ducks couldn't score on that drive. Or I think they settled for a field goal it was. But at the end of the day, you have to have two quarterbacks that you are ready to go into battle with and are ready to trot out there on the field at any given time. And uh, Bo Nix is their guy for now. But you got to make sure that you have that backup spot secured and ready to go. So I think that Ty Thompson also enters a very important stretch of fall camp here with the Ducks working under Will Stein. Um, it's his third offensive coordinator that he's had since he's been at Oregon, started with Joe Moorhead under Mario Cristobal. Then you have Kenny Dillingham last year under Dan Lanning. And now you have Will Stein, uh, who comes in from UTSA following Dillingham's departure to Arizona State. So the quarterback picture is looking real solid for Oregon. So you got to figure out what's who's behind Knicks and then looking even further down the road, if you're looking at the recruiting situation, you got to figure out who's next um, down the line in the 2024 class, seeing that the Ducks are going to have to prepare for life after Bo Nix. Fortunately for the Ducks, I really don't think we have to talk very much about the running back picture. Carlos Lachlan uh, has one of the best backfields in the country with Noah Whittington and Bucky Irving, who are both named to the Doak Walker Award watch list and awarded annually to the nation's best running back. Uh, Oregon is just the rich get richer when it comes to the running back spot. And you have Jordan James as a guy who enters the 2023 season with a decent amount of hype. You know, he, he burned his red shirt in 2022, played a decent amount of snaps. And I think that I think that he's a guy who is in line to maybe even carve out a bigger role this year, seeing that he served as the team's number three back with Bucky and Noah serving as kind of 1A and 1B. Uh, but that being said, it's going to be exciting to see how these running back snaps are divvied up and how much of Dante Dowdell and Jaden Lamar, the two true freshman running backs that the Ducks have in 23, how much of those guys really see the field? How do the coaching? How does the coaching staff manage those four games that they have of wiggle room within the uh, red shirt rule. So the running back spot, not a concern, really not a lot of questions. It's just a matter of how much of Jordan James are we going to see? And can Dante Dowdell and Jaden Lamar maybe carve out some roles? Uh, the Ducks definitely want to use some of those non-conference games. I'm looking at Portland state and Hawaii to run up the score and get some of those, get those guys some snaps because those are their best opportunities early on in that non-conference schedule. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um... Let's see what else we have here. What else do we have? Let's talk about the tight end spot. What do we know about the tight end position for Oregon, Andrew Maringer? Well, Terrence Ferguson is back to 100%. He's at full health after getting banged up in spring football and being forced to miss a little bit of time. Um, but really the question is, who do the Ducks have after Terrence Ferguson? Uh, we know that they have Patrick Herbert, who's a pretty experienced tight end at this point. And Patrick Herbert en- enters the 23 season with some momentum, seeing that he played all of 2022. He's a guy who has battled a whole lot of injuries during his time as a duck. Uh, he had a touchdown catch and run in that Cal game last year, which was definitely the highlight of his season, um, kind of using him maybe more as an inline blocker. But I want to look and see how the, the offense looks to get Patrick Herbert involved because I think he is capable of making a big impact. There's no doubt in my mind that Terrence Ferguson is the premier passing threat uh, from this tight end room. You know, he was number two on the team last year in touchdowns and he definitely became one of Bo Nix's favorite targets. But what does the rest of that tight end room look like? I think Patrick Herbert enters the 23 season with a chip on his shoulder looking to have his best season yet. If I'm Patrick Herbert, I'm looking in the locker room saying, hey, I've been here for a while, but this is my opportunity to to really carry that momentum from last year into this year and make a name for myself. You know, I want to be known as Patrick Herbert, the the standout tight end at Oregon, not just Justin Herbert's brother. Uh, And I got to give some credit to Patrick Herbert because when Justin Herbert got drafted and, and, you know, he's killing it in the NFL that's a lot of the questions that he ends up fielding in these media availabilities. Well, what about Justin? Tell us about Justin. You know, what do you think of your brother? And um, you know, he's very gracious about it, but if I were in his shoes, I'd definitely get tired answering all those questions. So Patrick Herbert is a guy that I think they will definitely try to get more involved, especially if defense is key in on Terrence Ferguson. So you have Patrick Herbert, and then you also have to talk about some of these transfers. You have Casey Kelly who transfers in from Old Miss. And then you also have Caden Ludwig, who comes over from Colorado. Um, so I think that those are some of the, the more experienced guys that they have at the position. Casey Kelly doesn't seem like he's too much of a threat in the passing game. And then Caden Ludwig, uh, I think, was actually a linebacker during his time at Colorado. Caden Ludwig. Ludwig. Um, so now he comes back to his, his home state. Um, Happy Valley, Oregon is his hometown and he was a linebacker, uh, coming out of high school, but obviously there's some experience there or at the very least some potential, uh, for him to have an impact at, at tight end. So definitely a, a, an interesting development there. So you have some more bodies at least at the tight end spot. I think that's why Oregon can enter the 23 season with some confidence, just seeing that you have some more bodies to work with in fall camp, you more or less get a month to work those guys in. Uh, with Casey Kelly and Caden Ludwig not participating in spring ball because they weren't here yet. Um, I think that Casey Kelly actually announced his commitment after the spring game during his visit. And then you also have Kenyon Sadiq, who we definitely have to talk about, the the number one recruit in the state of Idaho in 2023. Um, He seems like he was a guy who is generating some buzz out there in Eugene after a strong spring. 
definitely arrived and enrolled at Oregon uh, as a little bit undersized, you know, 6'2", 6'3", in that 220 range, 215 range. So you've got to put some weight on that frame if you're Kenyon Zadig to make sure that you can not only affect the game as a pass catcher and a playmaker, which he certainly had the ability to do um, for, for Skyline High School as a, as a senior, he, he was just doing great stuff in his tape, uh, being a guy who could hurt the defenses over the top and, and really just kind of be that spark plug of the offense. So I think he definitely comes into Oregon with something to prove and, and may end up carving out a bigger role than a lot of people expected. Because like we said earlier on in the show, Oregon was kind of pressed for bodies when it come, when it came to spring football. Uh, so now I think you're looking a little bit better from that depth perspective in that tight end room, but you're still trying to kind of figure out where's my production going to come from if I'm Drew Maringer, if I'm Will Stein at the tight end position, aside from Terrence Ferguson. You know what Terrence Ferguson is, and I think you kind of even know what Patrick Herbert is. He just needs more opportunities. He's a guy who needs more touches. I want to see him get more involved in the passing game for Oregon, and then I think we just kind of remains to be seen what these guys from the portal can do in Casey Kelly and Caden Ludwig. And then you also can't count out Kenyon Sadiq. So we'll see. Kenyon Sadiq is probably one of those guys that I think could be most likely to burn a red shirt as a true freshman from this 23 class, just because they, they need some of that depth and some of that production at the tight end spot. And I think you ultimately want to find yourself in a spot where you have more than two tight ends that you can uh, turn to at any given time. Look at last year. You had Terrence Ferguson. You were comfortable with him. You had Maliki Montevao. You were comfortable with him. You had um, Cam McCormick, who's now at Miami. You were comfortable with him and Patrick Herbert. So I think things were, were definitely uh, really in Oregon's favor from a numbers standpoint last year. Now we're kind of back to that point, but there's still a lot of question marks. We just don't know, haven't really seen what a lot of those guys are ultimately able to do. Uh, Christopher is in the chat and he says he thinks Herbie will take a huge step this year. Uh, I definitely agree with that one. I think obviously taking care of his health and the, the best avail availability, the best ability being availability is certainly on the table. I think with a guy like Patrick Herbert, who just hasn't been able to catch a break with the injury bug until last year. So I think that he is definitely one of the guys that I am most excited about in the Oregon offense this year, because he's, not really talked about a whole lot. And, and Terrence Ferguson is, is a super talented guy. Would not be surprised if he is in the NFL draft conversation for the 2024 draft. But Drew Maringer's got to be excited because if I'm him, I'm looking at this season and saying, hey, it's not just Terrence Ferguson. Look at what Patrick Herbert can do. Look at what Kenyon Steak can do. And then let me show you what I can do with some of these transfers in Casey Kelly and Caden Ludwig. So that's kind of what I have to say about the tight end spot. There's one more position that we need to talk about, and that is the wide receivers. Oregon's wide receiver room is crazy deep, crazy, crazy deep. Uh, if you just look at the names that you have uh, on the roster at the position, you have Troy Franklin, um, who is an absolute stud. Um, I think he obviously is the talk of that room. And just, just to get back real quick to the, the checklist lens that we're kind of looking at this episode from sorry I got a little bit excited and ahead of myself you have to figure out how to get all of these receivers involved um and, you know it's it's not like you have to have a super concrete answer by the end of fall camp but you got to be rotating these guys in and just seeing who does this better than this guy uh or you know wh why how does this guy really make his mark what's the best part of his game 
because you have so many big names and so many talented guys, a lot of experience that it's going to be hard to get all these guys the ball. You have Troy Franklin, like I already mentioned, and then you have Treshawn Holden who comes over from Alabama. Uh, and you have Tez Johnson who comes over from Troy and Gary Bryant Jr. who comes over from USC. Tez Johnson made a, uh, a decent amount of noise in the spring game with that really long catch and run touchdown. And then Gary Bryant Jr. Uh, is one of those later arrivals, if you will. Uh, I think that we're definitely going to see Gary Bryant Jr. and maybe even Tez Johnson be uh, be some guys that could make an impact in the return game and the kick return game. Um, and I think that's kind of an area you could see Oregon um, really leveraging their depth at the wide receiver spot. There's going to be guys that not everybody can touch the ball, right? That's kind of the problem that we're trying to break down here. But, you know, who are those team first guys that you don't see start as a wide receiver, but maybe they're they're going to make an impact as a returner? Um, you have Michael Williams, Makai Williams. I, I don't know how to say his name. I, I thought it was Michael Williams, but then I heard people saying Makai, uh, the world-class sprinter that joined the team as a walk-on. He's probably going to be doing some stuff as a returner versus more of that traditional wide receiver role. So you have some of those guys that I mentioned, and then you have Chris Hudson who comes back uh, in, in the slot. He's probably going to be battling with Tez Johnson. Um, and then you also have Kyler Casper, who I called on the podcast yesterday, a sleeping giant in that wide receiver room. Six foot six, 207 pounds, got a full year of college football under his belt, got a redshirt under his belt. He, he's ready to go. And I think he he just offers something different to this Oregon offense. And he's he's ready to show in 2023 why he was such a big name wide receiver, why he was an All-American in that 2022 class. And then we haven't even talked about Jurion Dickey. Jurion Dickey is someone I am crazy excited about at the wide receiver position and definitely someone in this 2023 recruiting class, this true freshman class that I think is very likely to see quite a bit of playing time this year. Um, you know, he did get injured his senior year and that cut his senior season short. I believe he only played four games. So once I, I you know, once I saw that he got injured, I, I, it kind of made me, you know, pump the brakes a little bit as far as is this guy, is this guy going to see the field a whole lot? And we saw that one handed catch highlight from practice that was going around on social media. A lot of people got excited about that. It really feels like he hasn't lost a step. Uh, he's a guy who tackled his recovery head on and, and uh, he's ready to make an impact for junior Adams in that wide receiver room. So how does his skill set maybe compare to Treshawn Holden as you know some of those bigger body wide receivers for Oregon? Obviously, Holden has the uh, experience edge there, um, but Dickey is a really physical guy and someone who can do quite a bit after the catch. Um, maybe you have a couple of better route runners in that room, but he is a guy who definitely wants to make an impact. You also have Ashton Kozart, who was an Under Armour All-American in his own right that signed with the Ducks. Coming out of the state of Texas, you know he's battle-tested. He's originally a Pacific Northwest guy, so kind of a homecoming of sorts for him, and that definitely means a, a lot. And then Justice Lowe, you can't forget about Justice Lowe. I still might be forgetting about a couple of receivers, but I think I hit on just about everybody. Uh, Justice Lowe is another guy that uh, is entering his second year at Oregon after signing with the Ducks out of Lake Oswego, uh, I think it was. Um, former Utah commit, you know, he's, he's flashed a little bit. I remember he made some plays, uh, in that, in his first spring when we were out there, but he kind of flew under the radar. So you have all of these guys that, that, uh, 
are, are ready to make an impact for Oregon. How are you going to get all these guys touches? This is, this could be one of the most loaded wide receiver rooms that we've seen at Oregon. And keep in mind, they lost quite a few guys just at the end of last season. No more Chase Coda. No more Dante Thornton. He's at Tennessee. I think he's going to have a monster year. No more Isaiah Brevard. No more Seven McGee. All those guys uh, hit the portal or are no longer with Oregon. So that speaks to the job that Junior Adams and the rest of this coaching staff uh, have have done, uh, kind of reloading and, and retooling this position. I didn't think they were going to take three wide receivers. I talked about Gary Bryant Jr. being a late addition and kind of being a luxury guy at the spot um, because Treshawn Holden and Tez Johnson were able to get there early and, and have full springs. But Gary Bryant Jr. comes in kind of being a crafty, twitchy wide receiver, you know, 5'11 or so from the Southern California area. Um, he, he was at USC for three years, I think. Yeah, three years. And he still has quite a bit of eligibility. So I think he's kind of a wild card in this wide receiver room. And maybe he's going to try to make a name for himself. And he wants to have a hat at the table when it comes to that battle for the slot. Maybe it's not Chris Hudson. Maybe it's not Tez Johnson. Maybe it's Gary Bryant Jr. So that's kind of where we're at, I think, with Oregon's offense heading into the 2023 season. You know, who, who's who's to say what kind of updates we'll get between now and the season opener. I think they're at a good spot in terms of health. I think Junior Angelau, who missed a majority, if not all, of spring, the Texas offensive line transfer, looks like he is uh, on track for a healthy recovery. He may already be a, a full practice participant. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but I think he's someone that uh, should definitely – uh, be in the mix for some significant snaps on that offensive line for Alik, Terry, and the Ducks. Uh, but that's kind of the, the first part of the checklist that we have on today's podcast for Oregon. Um, Oregon's offense, that is. And man, some some big shoes to fill with Kenny Dillingham's departure to Arizona State. But you got Will Stein, who comes in with a whole lot of promise. You got your quarterback back from a year ago and Bo Nix cannot overemphasize the importance of continuity at that position. And then you have a loaded backfield, loaded wide receiver room, and a tight end room that I think is going to be hungry to prove some people wrong and show that it's not just the Terrence Ferguson show. That's just my little summary there. That's what we're looking at, looking at for Oregon's offensive checklist uh, here in fall camp.